Good evening, Flatfoots, and welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature, a podcast in which three friends watch three movies over the course of three weeks. Each month, a different friend will select a different triple feature for their friends to enjoy and discuss. Slow Motion Triple Feature is one of the many fine podcasts brought to you by the American Friend Institute. Kit, would you like to tell us a little bit more about the American Friend Institute? Oh, God, I got to scroll up so far. Hold on. <laughs> we can skip it, it if you want. No. That's fine. Make her scroll. It's tradition <sighs> at this point. Am I have to do this every time? Well, you don't have to. I asked if you wanted to cut it out, and you you said no. No, I meant like I how the audience wants. I just I thought it was like the oh, the audience doesn't want to listen to you complain. Okay, we are the American Friend Institute. The American Friend Institute is an organization that honors the heritage of the motion picture arts. We produce educational podcasts about film, including Adam Sandler Life and Pictures, and have curated a jury selected list of the 100 greatest films of all time. The American Friend Institute was founded out of our mutual disgust that The Exorcist was not on the American Film Institute's list of 100 greatest movies. It's also not on our list because no one nominated it. I think we all probably thought someone else would do it. So no Exorcist, but Tommy Boyd did squeak in at number 100. According to the American Friend Institute, Tim Burton is the greatest director of all time, and the three best films in cinema history all came out in a one-year period between 1981 and 1982, two of them starring Harrison Ford. Welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature. I'm your host, Mike Keller, and I'm joined today by my good friends, Kit and Andrew. Tonight, we continue Mike's colorful and cartoonish adaptations triple feature with 1990s Dick Tracy, directed by Warren Beatty and based off of Chester Gould's comic strip. All right. The uh, way we usually start off is I ask both of you if you had seen the film before. So, Kit, mm-hmm. had, had you seen the film before? I had not. You hadn't? Oh, okay. Really? That surprises me. Why? Oh, it just seems like, I mean, Madonna's in it. It's... I know I the know. songs it seems and like everything. The type of movie would have seen. Right, yeah. Yeah, lots of music. Danny Elfman. It doesn't surprise yeah, me. I didn't know that he did the music. Just because of how gross how gross everybody looks. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of eating. <laughs> uh I've I've i I've seen this movie. I've seen this movie a bunch of times. Well, congratulations, Andrew. Yeah, but there's an, there's like an asterisk to that because the thing okay. is is like I still had no like I I couldn't rem- I remembered what it looked like. I remember how gross all the mobsters looked, uh-huh. um, but I couldn't tell you like I could at no point could I have told you what this movie was about um, before watching it. So like I hadn't yeah. seen it in a really long time, but I remember watching this. I remember this movie was really really big in my world, uh, a, like for like the couple of years after it came out, and then I remember watching the cartoon. I remember there was a cartoon. I remember That's the it. advertising so the car- for it from when I was a kid. I think mm-hmm. yeah. I was two, but it sounds I like do the marketing was it. pretty insane. I think they were really, really hoping for another Batman. I mean, yeah, oh, definitely. No, and in the there was a Newsweek article from the time uh, I was reading that was talking about like, like basically, unless you've been living under a rock, you've seen constant ads and constant promotion mm-hmm. for Dick Tracy, th- and there's toys and all this type of stuff. That seems like it might be part of the reason that it wasn't. It seemed like there was already kind of maybe a backlash against it before it came out. Um, 
yeah. maybe because of the similarities to Batman and then the marketing campaign. Was like is it like a, like a La La Land sort of thing where people that, were annoyed by how popular it was? Definitely mentioned in some of the reviews, I think, like the merchandising of it. But it's just like I mean, I think we can agree that this movie is remembered poorly, even though it made quite a bit of money and won three Oscars and is not bad. Whoa. How much money did it make? Do you know? Hundred and forty six million or something like that. And the budget was forty six, so that's not bad. Yeah, well it yeah. says so it was kinda complicated. Um, but an article in the Hollywood Reporter said uh, the movie flopped. Despite having the third highest opening weekend of the year, it was judged to have underperformed with a worldwide gross of $162 million after costing $100 million to make. And that does include the advertising <laughs> okay. budget. Okay. Um, but it was $100 million to make, including the advertising. Uh, by comparison, the most successful the uh, successful movie of the year, Ghost, made $500 million worldwide on a budget of $22 million. But it sounds like the movie was not... It was originally supposed to be closer to 25 million. It sounds like they went over yeah. budget and then Disney spent In a lot of money to Warren promote Beatty it. Fashion. And so it wound up. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that, but apparently he's like, like a uh, perfectionist in the sense that he just does take after take after take. Yeah. Um, well, and town which, in, town and know, country crazy town and country, his movie that doesn't even, I think it, it did not cost that much money, but it flopped so hard and went so far over budget that I think until John Carter, it was the biggest flop of all time. And it's, it's just like a oh, wow. movie with some people in it. It's not like <laughs> high concept at all. Dang. Yeah. And I've heard of that movie, but I don't, yeah, I don't. And then Ish, he produced Ishtar. Right. Uh, the last thing he, which is one of the most famous flops. Yeah. Last thing he'd been in before this was Ishtar. So, oh damn, that's crazy. You know, actually, yeah. Looking at his filmography, I was surprised. It was like he did Reds, and I think it was 1981, mm-hmm. and then I think that was it until Ishtar, which was 87, and then there was this. So he had a pretty quiet decade. You know, I'm sure he was working on stuff that just didn't get made or all yeah. that kind of stuff. But Town and yeah, Town and Country was like, cost 90 million dollars and made 10.4 million dollars, and it's a romantic oh comedy from 2001. <laughs> holy shit i had no idea it cost that much that's crazy yeah. kind of makes me want to see it i tried to watch it and i couldn't that's insane <laughs> to me it has 13 yeah. percent on rotten tomatoes it's crazy looking at um at warren Beatty's filmography here like i guess i i always think of him as being like way more prolific than like mm-hmm. he really yeah he hadn't directed a movie like in did, 10 I mean, he... years before he did like his movie before Dick Tracy was Reds and then he just played it cool for a really long time. Yeah. Well, it and- is it is pretty crazy that they gave him like cuz Reds, I think Reds had a lot of critical acclaim but like like it's crazy that he got Reds made and then it's even it's kind of crazy that he went to Dick Tracy after that. Like that's such a strange mm-hmm. leap to me. Yeah. Especially for Warren well, Beatty. And it's after he's been trying to get this made since the 70s. Um, wow. Like to go from Ishtar to like, sure, we'll give you Dick Tracy to produce. Cause he didn't direct Ishtar, but he produced yeah. Ishtar and he I stars know. in it. And it's notorious, you know, whether it's really earned that or not, it is one of the most notorious flops of all time. And then he's like, he gets Dick Tracy. Yeah. I did watch rules. Don't apply the other, his like directorial effort that he waited like another 10 years to make a movie and it's a huge yeah. or no 15 years 
and uh, it's a huge piece of shit. <laughs> it's so bad. I really, I really didn't really like that movie. Str- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so it's such a strange movie. I have a I have a theory, and I don't know if you guys will agree with this, but I think Warren Beatty is a really really boring actor to watch. Okay, I was just yeah, gonna say something I mean, about certainly that. Certainly in this, I think. Okay. Yeah, go for it. I think it's it's very strange. I was thinking the same thing, which is like, because you know, he's you know one of the last kind of like big movie stars. I feel like, and mm-hmm. there's, I I almost wonder if. It's like unfortunate that he's so good looking because I think he's funny. I think he has like an extremely subtle sense of humor as an actor. Like he does weird weird little like Buster Keatony Chaplin-y kind of things and like character actor-y line, you know, I don't know. He's kind of like, I mean, Henry Fonda is a leading man, but there's parts of like, Henry Fonda in like, oh, what the hell's the boat comedy that he does with Barbara Stanwyck? I uh, can't remember what's called. Oh, the lady, <laughs> the lady Eve, like a similar kind of like aw shucksy like sense of humor that's very very subtle, but he's like a fucking movie star and he's playing Dick Tracy and it's like, okay, dude, like <laughs> maybe somebody else would have been better for this. Apparently, Bruce Campbell was up for it at one point before. Warren Beatty. I mean, that's See, that the, makes that's sense the to story. Me. Yeah. Well, he certainly has the facial structure. Yeah, and it was Bruce Campbell tried to get into. Uh, they were doing like a, they were thinking about doing a TV show in the '90s, mm-hmm. and Bruce Campbell was interested in that. But uh, I think it was like in the '70s, in the '80s. Uh, gosh, like Clint Eastwood had been approached. Um, Mel Gibson, maybe. I feel like they said they'd been approached. But yeah, and I was thinking the only one I could, the only actor I could really picture. Who he probably would have been too young at the time, uh, but I think Josh Brolin would have looked the part. Yeah, um, he would have been a, a scary like. Dick Tracy, but yeah, he definitely looks right. Yeah, just kind of has that like really angular, I don't know, nose and the big jaw, and he looks like a cartoon character basically. Um, kind of a kind of a side note, but I was uh, you were saying Warren Beatty being like the like the last like movie star from that era, um. <laughs> But I was th- I was listening to Ed Norton in on a podcast the other day, and he was talking about um, like all of those guys, like uh, Pacino and 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 um, De Niro and and uh, Jack Nicholson or whatever, and like why there aren't more actors, like like why 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 is that generation the way it is, and why why aren't there like any actors mm-hmm. like that now, um, and. Uh, and I guess Warren Beatty's probably in that bunch, um, but I was—he was—he was saying that it was because, or he thinks it's because of Marlon Brando, yeah. um, which I, I don't—is that like a—is that like a commonly held? No, but it makes sense belief to me. That like, okay, yeah. So he was basically saying, Mike, that like Marlon Brando came onto the scene and it was such a shock to like mm-hmm. the 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 field of acting. And that it just influenced like an entire generation of actors, and nobody has, like, we haven't had like another Brando since then. Um, well, and, like everyone who's in the movie with Warren Beatty is in that mold. It's like yes. Al Pacino, James Caan, who else is in there? I don't know. Like all these people who are definitely on the Brando side of things. Oh, Dustin Hoffman. 
Yeah. So just kind of like Brando was just like that, like super macho kind of guy. And he brought in other, but just like, like kind of big, like big performances uh-huh. too. Like it's, I don't know. Interesting. And I don't think I, but Warren Beatty seems like he's almost cut from a different cloth to some degree. Right. I mean, I, I feel like yeah. he, he's been, I've, I've, I've liked him in several movies, but I, I guess Bonnie and Clyde is kind of how he became iconic maybe. Um, for sure. And in that movie, he's more of like kind of that rough and tumble kind of macho kind of guy. I, feel- I don't, I don't, I don't not like him. Like I, I like, um, like just looking at, like, I think he is, I think he's funny. I watched Ishtar recently and I thought like, oh, he's kind of funny in this. And I liked, um, uh, like shampoo. Uh, I like him in that. I don't know if I like mm-hmm. that movie that much. Yeah. Um, and I, Bonnie and Clyde, I think he's good in, I don't really like Bonnie, Bonnie and Clyde that much either. Um, Bugsy. I think Bugsy is like probably one of his like Lee hates that movie. It's not like an amazing movie, but um I think he's really good in it and he's scary, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun to watch. Like he's just kind of a he's like a really just a mean kind of low level piece of shit monster. That's what I mean um, about him like he's in Ishtar, because I agree, he makes me laugh in Ishtar. He kind of is like a Stan yeah. Laurel kind of figure in that movie, and I think he's good at it. But and then his face, like it's a problem that he looks how he looks because Stan Laurel would never look like that. Like they even give him kind of like, I think his hair is supposed to be kind of dumb and his clothes are kind of dumb and Ishtar. And it's like, nope, sorry, you're still worn fucking baby. Like it doesn't translate. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so should we talk about like what we actually thought of this movie? Okay. All right. Well, yeah. So we've kind of discussed Beatty. Um, I did really like a lot of the, uh, like, I don't know if some of them aren't even character actors, but they kind of played character actor parts in this. But I liked Mm -hmm. a lot of the performances or just some of the presences. Well, Dustin Hoffman, I really liked him as Mumbles. Um, I actually, I I thought Madonna, what's that? I think Dustin Hoffman can kind of, he kind of goes between playing a character actor and being a character actor and not. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't describe him like, no, you know, you're right. Yeah. Just as a, yeah. Um, but no, I liked him in this. Um, I thought Madonna was pretty good in the part. Like she's not a great actress mm-hmm. in this, but there's also, this movie doesn't call for her to be a great actress. Um, right. I thought this was she perfect the role for what well. she can do. Um, but is, is Madonna not a good actress? No, she's well, terrible. Actress. I don't know if I would say that either. Yeah, okay. I haven't seen her in much, but just in this, she, it's you know, there's scenes where she's not. It's not like she's acting well, but she does she's playing the cartoon right. character. She, she well. does well in roles that are basically her being Madonna. Like she's good in A League of Their Own because that character yeah. is like oversexed and sassy, and that's Madonna. And then she's good in this because she's being I don't know, Jean Harlow or something, and that works. But however, I sent you guys a video of Bernadette Peters performing uh sooner or later at in one of her like concerts and Bernadette Peters was robbed this role should have been Bernadette Peters um and the music was like obviously written for Bernadette Peters was it supposed to I don't know but I mean she's like one of Sondheim's she she was supposed to play the role no but she's like I don't know about that but she's Uh... one of Sondheim's main muses and if you listen, I mean, mm-hmm. Madonna even sounds like a Bernadette Peters who can't sing very well. And I love Madonna, but you should really watch that video that I sent you 
um, and get, I did watch get, it. Okay, like she's. It just seems so like that's who the song is for, <laughs> and she would have looked great and been close closer to the same age as Warren Beatty. Not that that really matters, but it's like she's a gorgeous voluptuous woman yeah. well and i guess they were dating at the time i know lee madonna asked me like madonna yeah. lee was like is this when madonna and warren Beatty were dating and i was like no he cast her based on her acting ability <laughs> like yeah no fucking of course they were yeah. fucking dating yeah. yeah i didn't know that i didn't know that because I, I definitely thought like i i was when i was watching the movie i was just like how the f how old is warren Beatty here uh, 53 i like think 53 yeah 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 and I, he definitely looks it. Um, I don't know. It's not like gross, but it's it's it is it is funny how like it. It's weird. It's weird to me when when old dudes cast themselves in like very physical roles. Um, but I think he actually did pretty well. Like I think a lot of the like the the movie doesn't have a ton of like action. I don't think, but like it, and most of it's just like standing and shooting. But I did like. Um, uh, a couple of like the fight scenes, like when he attacks the yeah. dude in the shack. Yeah, that was good. And he's doing like Indiana Jones, yeah. like shotgun punches. That that kind of yeah. choreography is like super fun to watch. I think. What did you think about Al Pacino? Oh yeah. boy, um, it was like it's like Al Pacino's great. Um, I think, and I think like in the face, the makeup is fine, but the shape of his body. Is really concerning to me. Um, yeah, it's, that was odd. It's it's too much, which is weird because it's like yeah. this is this is a world in which bad guys look like circus freaks, and yeah. he just they pushed it so far that like especially there's that scene where he is like he's having the girls do the dance number over and over again, and I guess being a mobster, he's also a stage director, um, right. which is weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's got like these, like he's got, he's kind of a hunchback and his waist is like up near his nipples and then his arms hang like below his knees. Um, he's, he's, it, it, it was very upsetting to look at him. I, I um, said my problem with that character, cause it's like, I don't think he's bad in the movie but he's in it so much and doing such a big thing and you can't understand him really. And I said it was like if Les Grossman was in almost all of, <laughs> of Tropic Thunder. Like, that, like that's a character right, yeah. you want for about four minutes of screen time, but we get so much of him. I didn't understand what he was, do like what his character was trying to yeah. do. Like, was it just, was it, I, I, I had a real hard time kind of like following what, what the actual like nuts and bolts of this plot yeah. were. There, yeah. Let's talk about the story In the first, in the first yeah. like 30 minutes, like I knew, I looked at the time and I was like, I feel so much like we're still in the setup stage and we're like 30 minutes into the movie yeah. and I don't know what Dick Tracy is doing or what Al Pacino is doing or how all these other people <laughs> are involved in this really or why this kid yeah. is there well and it, it felt like such a shame because like the the absolute you know the greatest thing about this movie which and it is great like the movie is not great but like the production design is incredible yes, and the costume is great 
which yes. I think I'd like to, we'll get to that a little later, but it feels like such a shame because the, the, the plot, like the story is so meandering that, you know, yeah. the world feels like it's all there. It feels like this really big world, but they don't seem to really know what to do with it. And they kind of ramble around and shuffle through stuff. And it goes from, you know, mm-hmm. from scene to scene. And you just, I was never like really hooked into anything in the story that was happening. Right. Even though like I liked some of the characters, I loved the world. Mm-hmm. Um, just the story kind of kept me at a, I guess, arm's Like length. Ishtar felt exactly the same way to me. Where it's like definitely this, great, yes. Like, that's true. and you yes, read that's true. you read interviews with Warren Beatty about this movie, and it's like he's overthinking this shit so much. It's a fucking comic book. Yeah. <laughs> there are stories, good good stories, already written for you. Just pick one and fucking film it. But it's like, oh, he's on like some fucking hero's journey, and he has like three tasks he has to fulfill, and like one has to do with this kid, and the other one has to do with like realizing his love for. Glenn Headley, who I love, and like, you know, there's, it's just like, give me a weekend in the life of Dick Tracy. (laughs) And that's it. It's like, we don't need any setup for the character. Like, he's a fucking detective. We got it. Like, just, we know, like, you know what I mean? Like, start it in the, not that this is an origin story or anything, but it's like, we don't really need a lot of setup. There's bad guys and good guys. Pick, pick an interesting crime and do that. It's so stupidly complicated. Yeah. I thought the movie was like winding down like three or four times. Because yeah. it's like, oh, this this is, mm-hmm. okay, here we go. We're going into like the, the, the big finale. And then there would be like 20, you know, like 30, 40 more minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, yeah, I've... I've, I've and at no point did I understand what anybody was doing. Um, so that so was kind of a problem. There were two like major, pro- well, I don't know, two big things I, I put down in my notes relating just to the, the script, the plot, I guess, um, that the first thing was that it felt like we kind of go from day to day to day in the plot. And then suddenly we have this thing where Dick Tracy is framed uh, of oh, killing, yeah. killing the, <laughs> I guess, the mayor. And like he's in prison for a while and all this time goes by and it just totally threw me that like, first of all, that any of the other characters would believe that Dick Tracy had done that because uh-huh. it seemed like somebody would have fought for him. But then also yeah. just like we go from like, you know, it's maybe been about a week in the timeline of the film. And then suddenly, like, I don't know, did like a month go by or a week go by but or I did a month go by weird. in that montage very... with the kid where they're like fall- getting, you know, becoming right. a family that I don't fucking care about. Like, right. maybe that See, was months. At, at least in that case. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, it could have been. Because it, like, it could have been a day. It would have been quite a day, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, but I also felt like some of the stuff in the kid montage could have been going on while he was still doing his police sure, work. Sure, you know, And he was still yes. after chasing Big Boy and yes. stuff. But the stuff See, with Big Boy, like, r- taking over the town once he had Dick Tracy put away. It's like it felt like that would have had to that would have taken, you know, at least a couple of weeks or something. So that was there were weird. also too then, many montages and they were too long. Yeah. Although they were kind they of they were fun. But you have to be you can't do that so many times. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably overused. But I feel like since the movie's main strength was like looking like a comic book and kind of having that pop art kind of mm-hmm. feel that I was like, I'm okay. I'm okay with a montage. But <laughs> like, if you think, um, I agree, I but if you think about a montage, if you think about a montage in like His Girl Friday or something, like, or in a movie from the 30s or 40s, yeah. it's like 
often like 15 seconds <laughs> of like yeah. newspapers flying Instead across of, the screen or whatever and then that's it i think i think part of the i think part of the problem is that there's just too too many like plot threads going on like yeah. there's there's dick tracy protecting uh, which which didn't even culminate the first one didn't even culminate into really anything as i recall but it's like the little boy who um he witnesses the murder of the of paul, paul sorvino's character or whatever and then there's dick tracy um you know man on the run or he's like he's he's uh framed for murder and um and then there's uh the 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 plot with uh, the Madonna's uh, alter ego, the mm -hmm. No Face character, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's the blank. it's just like it's like it's like yeah, cramming or the blank. Yeah, cramming too many different things into the movie was also maybe a problem. Absolutely. I mean, because the blank okay. the blank doesn't even. I mean, I don't. It it felt like a mystery yeah. that the audience was like kind of cued in on, but none of the characters cared about it. Like nobody's and like, well, who is it, this blank? Like, what's I going think on it appears the... more than halfway through the film, the first time you see blank. Yeah. And yes. my question at yeah. the end was like, what are the implications of her having been this guy? What was she trying to accomplish? Does this mean she was trying to get him killed? Was she trying well, to protect him by getting him put in jail? Like, what is she doing? I guess it would have it would have had to been that she was lips, she was lips, whatever his name. Uh, she was his girl and then like uh -huh. he got murdered by big boy and then she suddenly hatched this plan to take big boy out because he was going to take over the whole city so if she could knock him out she could take over the whole city but like she wouldn't have had the information needed to hatch that plan when the blank starts appearing um so it all just it, it wasn't like i don't think they cooked up the twist in the last minute but it was like sorry she wants to get rid of dick tracy so that she can take over Right. I think it was that she was, you know, she was going to take, you know, big boy was going to take over the town and then she was going to get rid of big boy. And then she wound up falling in love with Dick Tracy. So she couldn't go through with the plan because she. But Dick then she Tracy does. Boy were up against each other. Well, by, by the end, let's see <laughs> what happens at the end. Because <laughs> she's the one who gets uh, him put in prison. So that does seem like her going through with the plan. Even though she loves him. No, it wasn't a big boy that hatched the plan to get him put in prison because he uh, he framed him. He wait. No, was that her? Or was that no, it was boy? her. I think I don't know. OK, I thought it was the big boy because big boy finds out that they've been listening to him. And so they hatched the plan to catch him in the warehouse. But the but I, I don't know why I keep saying hatch the plan. blank was the one telling Mandy Patinkin what to say, wasn't he? And what to do? Oh, I don't even remember. Cause that was Mandy Patinkin. Yeah, another yeah, Sondheimian. Yeah. Here's what's. Can I say something about Mandy Patinkin? Sure. In every in every era of his career, he has looked like a completely different man to me. <laughs> Lee loves him and didn't recognize him, but I don't know what you're talking about. I've clocked him immediately. I never. <laughs> I've never. I never. I. I think he like if I think looking at him in Princess Bride versus like Homeland or something like that, I. I am amazed they are the same man. <laughs> well, did he have makeup on in this? Did he have prosthetic? No, makeup I think on? he was no. might have had his hairline shaved back, but no, he did not. Okay, because yeah, that I would not incredible. have. I would not have recognized him. He from even Princess sings Bride in it, and he has one of the weirdest voices. No. What do you like? The, well, I mean, no, I, no. I I saw his name in the credits, and so I knew that was him when I was watching the movie. But I just mean like 
I guess if, oh. if I watched The Princess Bride and I watched this, I wouldn't be like, ah, oh, it's the same dude. Because he, he just, he yeah. looks totally different. Does not, does not look like a Nago Montoya. No. <laughs> yeah. He's a chameleon. Have you seen the thing where Mandy Patinkin used to like show up on Letterman every couple of years and just sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow? Yeah. No, okay, I'll send it to you. It's great. really funny. <laughs> and beautiful. Um. <laughs> Oh, oh, actually, wait, before we finish, before we move away from talking about the plot, I have to point out one scene that just completely befuddled me (laughs) both times. Um, So towards the climax of the film, when they're raiding Big Boy's nightclub and they're uh, they're getting uh, Tess, Tess Trueheart or whatever, Mm -hmm. they're getting her out like she's okay. So she was put in the warehouse by Big Boy or by uh, the blank and Big Boy didn't know she was there. And then they find that she's in there as the cops are starting to raid. Anyways, what happens is they go up to the roof and then twice a police officer who's with Dick Tracy says like, hey, why are we going to the roof? And Dick Tracy doesn't say why. He just keeps running up to the roof. So they go up to the roof. They look in the window, like the skylight, and uh, they see that Tess is down there and she's tied up. And so he's like, "Okay, we got to save her. So they break out the window and he jumps into the room and then the big boy opens up the door and he grabs Tess and he's like, Hey, we got to get out of here. Come on. So he takes her hostage and he locks Dick Tracy into the room. And so Dick Tracy's just in the room and he can't get out because he can't go out through the door. Cause it's like a kind of like a safe and he can't get up through the roof because it's too high. So at the, the exciting climax of the film, which does contain explosions and gunshots and stuff, <laughs> but like that, they take like three minutes for him to come up with this weird contraption where he basically, <laughs> seesaws he has the one officer <laughs> jump on it and launch him out the window and then he leaves the guy in there i guess yeah and uh then he runs down to the to back to the street and he starts like shooting everybody as they're coming out you know they're yeah. bursting out of the garage with their cars and stuff but like what the fuck that was such a weird like i feel like that's uh, something that would be in the first draft of a script uh-huh. and then you'd be like well this does, this slows everything down let's cut this well- I had a um, yeah, weird, weird opposite problem. So like the exact opposite happened when he's tied up and they're going to blow him up and the kid breaks in through the window to yes. save him. And I'm like, when, when he finally yeah. unties him, they run up the stairs and I'm like, the kid just came in through a window that's in the room with you. Like throw the kid out through the right, window and right. then have, wouldn't it be more like <laughs> exciting if like he's got to boost the kid out the window and then pull himself up as the timer's ticking down as opposed to them just like clomping up the stairs. <laughs> Right. Like, I was like, and then what just a like cutting to them jumping. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a good so, point. Yeah. So that was, I had to get that off my chest. Thank you for letting me uh, to air that. But, uh, okay. So, so is. Oh, go ahead. Well, I just like, is Warren Beatty just like, like, is he not good at directing movies? I don't know. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I haven't. Have you seen Reds? I've never seen no. Reds. No. I think. I, I have think not there seen are Reds. Amazing though. frames. Okay in this movie like i think yeah, he sure. works let's very well with the production design like aesthetically it's great let's talk about the production oh design. i really want yeah. to it's fucking it's amazing. gorgeous this whole movie is so beautiful in the first like 30 seconds i was like oh my god this fucking rules how have i never seen this and then you keep watching you're like oh i, I understand know. why but it's still yeah. it looks amazing it's very unfortunate. Yeah, to me this is to me this is like a really great example of like getting to paint with the widest most like colorful mm-hmm. brush and like not just literally but I mean like like this reminds me of like all the um 
like tacky filters you find in in Photoshop that like your mom uses, but a professional wouldn't except in this type mm -hmm. of situation. Like this is the rare situation where you should pull the saturation all mm -hmm. the way to 100 or whatever and it yeah. works 100%. So to, like to me, this would be among the most fun movies to make visually. Yeah. Because you get to just you get to just go crazy with your imagination. Like you do not have to be and should not be subtle in any way. Yeah. No, it's yeah, it looks beautiful and it's like it doesn't look like a comic book in a campy way, like, you know, like Batman 66 mm -hmm. or some other things. But it's just like it it just it looks like like an Edward Hopper. Exactly. I like, don't think it looks like uh, a comic book at all, as a matter of fact, to yeah. me. Well, and mm -hmm. I can see I can see how they're 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 working with a comic book. But yes, it doesn't right. it doesn't like evoke the, like oh, I'm the looking characters at the yeah. and all that stuff like give you like a comic book. And apparently they did right. like a less wide aspect ratio for that reason um so that it would look more like comic okay, frames see, and I, I had heard that the uh cinematographer suggested um like an old aspect like the four three aspect ratio but that they went ahead so so was it somewhat narrowed from i think the, it is I don't know, the 1.83 i think it is it's not was, it's okay. not tv it's not square obviously but i think it's less than right. like batman it's not i think um Okay. See, and I didn't even notice if it was rained in a little um, or pulled in a little. But yeah, I I sent you guys a lot of pictures of like things that I thought they were referencing. Um, obviously, I would say number one is Tim Burton's Batman. <laughs> like, like, well, yeah. Oh my god. Well, and just the, the score, score immediately. Is, I yeah. love Danny Elfman so much, but holy shit, is that the same score as Batman? <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah. so so similar. Um, but yeah. I think, yeah, I, I feel like it's really more based on, like, painting styles of the 1930s. Um, like, I, I said, uh, obviously, like, a lot of, like, WPA uh, artists, like, particularly, like, Grant Wood, yeah. the kind of the perspective where, like, the roads look almost vertical, <laughs> like, instead of like flat nothing's flat everything's like yeah. too, pushed into like 2d like that's very popular style of the time um definitely german expressionism which i think is i mean is is a little so like dick tracy the comic i think is set in the 20s which is a little bit closer to the actual like time period of german expressionism but i think that that is kind of coming from batman so it's like the german expressionism is coming in th being like through tim burton basically um but it's great yes. it looks amazing i love it um but yeah that color palette is yeah. like very el kirchner to me and like the kind of angular like clothes and faces and everything and the yeah um and then i thought this had some of the like the coolest compositing mm -hmm. i've ever seen like using we like just enormous matte paintings yeah. that yeah. you could pan a, pan across and put like multiple yes. shots inside yes. of like that is fucking cool as hell like this it is really like cool. a like i think the compositing like before this some of the like the probably my favorite um like matte matte painting composite work is in 2001 and i think this blows it out of the fucking water yeah well and to me it's very yeah. Yeah, no, this that, is really that, cool that method so, is very similar to like films of the of the 30s and 40s like the slum scene yeah. even though obviously it's like very illustrated 
it reminds me so much of the opening mm -hmm. credits of my of my man Godfrey and that slum. That's what I sent you like the comparison of where like his little shack is down at the bottom corner of this like huge map painting of the city. And also that's a movie I'm going to make you guys watch for this for sure. Um, it's there's a lot of like really awesome reps. I agree with you totally about the Hopper thing, particularly with Glenn Headley. Um, like she's shot in these extremely like lonely frames all the time that remind me yeah i'm like through a window <laughs> yeah. or it's like you know a weird she's like kind of off to the side and it's like so many of like hopper's women like i looked at a bunch of pictures of those i'm like oh yeah that's totally like what they and like that's really cool i think that is i mean that is obviously like the production designer cinematographer but that's also B warren Beatty, like making do, yeah. working with what what they've given him like really well it's just like the story and the acting is where he <laughs> loses me and the ability to like control a production i think um yeah but his frames are nice yeah no i just i think this movie is definitely worth seeing but mostly because of the visual aspect um oh for sure but, and apparently um yeah apparently this was like one of the last kind of big blockbusters um uh, that mm -hmm. used like no computer effects whatsoever um so that, I thought yes. that was kind of cool. Like this is all in camera. And the costume, stuff. it's the costume but, yeah, designer like the of like Barry like, Lyndon. Yeah. Oh. You know, she worked with Kubrick a lot actually. And I think from what I read, uh, so her name was, uh, Milena Cannonero or can yeah. Mm -hmm. Cannonero. Um, yeah. So she did clockwork orange, Barry Lyndon, the shining chariots of fire, the cotton club. And then she would go on to do Titus Marie Antoinette, uh, Marie Antoinette and grand Budapest hotel. But um, from what I read, she was the oh, one yeah, who yeah. pitched the idea of the very limited, uh, limited color palette um, that she she said, cool. like, cool. They start with the costumes and they're going to have these like just these, you know, bold primary colors. And then it'll build the sets out from that and just, you know, basically develop the film visually starting with that. Just, you know, these, mm -hmm. these primary colors. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, like you guys were saying a few minutes ago how it didn't really feel like a comic book movie. Um, or, or a comic book. And I kind of think that, like, to me, it felt more like a, like like fantasy world building, like just mm -hmm. by way of like texture, like just the, like, I don't think, like within the, within the world that they create, like n no single thing feels ridiculous on its own, right? Like, I mm -hmm. don't think, um, except, except Al Pacino's body. Um, but like, like just like, you know, the way their faces look and stuff like that feels real in the context of, uh, a world of matte paintings and primary color suits in the mm -hmm. same way as a, as a dragon feels real in, uh, Lord of the Rings or whatever to me. That's like, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Does that make sense? Or is that, is that stupid? No, I think it's true. And I think it's <laughs> no, maybe... I what <laughs> no it does not sound stupid <laughs> i think i think that it's what they ex it's what the movie excels at it's like the story that is the problem yeah which sucks because yeah, like it really sucks. how <laughs> great like how how great would this movie be with that kind of visual it'd be the know, best movie of all time <laughs> exactly it's just like oh come on um, yeah, if this was like, actually, if like Paul, uh, if like um, Paul Rubens had written this or something like that, like I know that's crazy, but like that's who I think of as like someone who can handle a cr like 
a narrative that makes sense and is fun to watch and is like appropriately scaled for a very crazy world that is nonetheless like kind of grounded in our world or like Steve Martin or somebody like that yeah. where they know how what size or you're not going to like this Mike but uh John Hughes or something I don't know like some I'm saying writing wise I feel like they needed a writer right. who can handle the like cartoony elements but is very like old school script writer like yeah. <laughs> like very like kind of like a story Nazi where it's like this shit's gotta go if it does not which like you can argue that John Hughes is not that person but I think around this time period he's kind of like known in a way for being that or like who sure. the princess bride guy whatever Goldman gold something the uh, with the princess bride it just needed one yeah what's his who wrote the princess bride wrote the book too oh who wrote it uh william golding william goldman i said goldman okay well, good. Rob... yeah or goldman okay yeah Gold... yeah um mm -hmm. yeah i don't know like i don't even know who i would peg to like trim this down and it, it, it sounded like a lot of people had took a crack at it um I actually have so like like i said this had been kind of in the works for quite a while and you know dick tracy as a property had been around for so long too but um where did it go so for the writers um Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr. Yeah. Shoot, did uh, I cut it out of my notes? The cr credited with the screenplay. Writers of oh, here Turner we go. Yeah. and Hooch so and they, Anaconda. They also, they wrote... Right, see, I, I feel like that's kind of a bad sign. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the people who ended up finishing the screenplay were Jim Cash and Jack Epps, who, they did Top Gun, but they did, yeah, Turner and Hooch, Anaconda, Flintstones and Viva Rock Vegas. Oh, boy. Um, but that also, uh, Warren I mean, Beatty... Turner and Hooch is a great movie. I, yeah, I like uh, Turner Hooch is fine. Are you being sarcastic or? I'm not at all. I love Turner. Okay, Hooch. yeah, I like Turner Hooch. No, I mean, and Top Gun's fine, but I just think like Anaconda, as fun as it is, uh, is not a good. It's not a well-written film. And then no. uh, Flintstones and Viva Rock Vegas, I would say the same. It's not a well-written film. Um, no, or, but, uh, or or Anacondas or or Anacondas, the hunt for the bl the blood organ, yeah, which they, they also wrote. They wrote that as well. Wow. Oh dear God. Well, it's crazy so, uh, looking at looking at their at their uh, at their um, filmography here. Like they've got a few. Like I, I haven't seen Legal Eagles or Izzy and Mo, but but like Top Gun is obviously huge. Right. And then Turn Turner and Hooch, and The Secret of My Success, I think were movies that did well. And then it's Dick Tracy, and then it's just like yeah. a nosedive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is crazy. Um, Sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah. So, well, but so they wrote. They apparently wrote the screenplay, but there were several drafts. And then uh, Warren Beatty, uh, he also tried to get a writer's credit, which is maybe funny from an egotistical perspective. But uh, it, apparently, him and his uh, writing partner Bo Goldman, who wrote One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, um, they did a lot of uncredited dialogue rewrites. And so, I think uh, it's because it's it, because the plot feels so me or because the story feels so meandering and kind of aimless at points and just way too big and like it needs a lot of editing i feel like it's probably a situation where they had like a too many cooks in the kitchen kind of thing um for just sure like oh over two decades so many people took a crack at this so many people added things to the story and there wasn't somebody to just like take one like last look at it trim you know uh 
just trim all the fat and like make it this, you know, a more focused, uh, and like, just, I mean, a more interesting story. Um, cause like we were talking about the blank and that, like, I really, I, it wasn't like, I didn't care out of spite. I wasn't like upset, you know, it was just, I didn't care because I didn't understand why, like who this person was or like nobody, no, no character seemed to be that interested in who the blank was. Like they would just be like, Hey, she's going to kill Dick Tracy or the blank's going to kill Dick Tracy for us. Cool. You know? It's oh, crazy. Actually, it's... wait, wait, I got one more thing. Okay. Some fun trivia that ties us back to uh, last week's flash Gordon was that, uh, uh, I think Warren Beatty or it might've even been Walter Hill, <clears throat> Walter Hill. Uh, but I think it was Warren Beatty. Um, cause at, at one point Walter Hill was attached to direct this and they got as far into pre-production as like building the sets when it got canceled. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but to tie it into last week with flash Gordon, um, somebody at some point approached Lorenzo Semple jr. To mm. write a screenplay for the, for Dick Tracy. And, oh uh, he actually, he, I think he, he worked on it for a while and he gave it back to him. And he was just like, I can't, like, I can't make it work. Um, so I don't so, think anything of his, so uh, this was his limit. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. And I don't think they like, I don't think they gave it to him for revisions. It sounded like from what he was saying, this was from an interview he did in Starlog, uh, I think back in the nineties or something. But from what he was saying is that he, they asked him to create from scratch, create an original screenplay or not from scratch, but you know, basically adapt Dick Tracy, um, because he had done Batman and things like that. And, uh, he, yeah, he, I think he said he mm-hmm. even like gave him their money back and he's like, I can't, uh, can't figure out a way to do it. I think it must've been Beatty that approached him. Um, but yeah. So yeah, which is probably for the best cause it might've been more campy. I think, and Warren, silly, I think one like thing I'll was. say for, for Warren Beatty is that he, he definitely has good taste in people he wants to work with. You know, he brings together like an interesting production and, int- and really cool people. Yeah. Like it's cool that he gave that guy an opportunity to write it, even though it's like, I, I don't think it's ultimately like probably he wouldn't have been the right choice. And clearly he didn't think he was either, but it's like, that's a cool thought. I kind of wonder if Warren Beatty is kind of like one of those people that people, they want to work with them because of the sort of mystique surrounding them. Like, I wonder if him just not taking like lots of roles and being like notoriously choosy, I wonder if that it's just like, oh, Warren Beatty's making a movie. And so that's how you get Al Pacino, Dustin Hoffman, uh, all of these amazing people uh, in front of and behind the camera, like rallied to make a movie that makes no sense. I think they're his friends too. And yeah. like, I mean, Dustin Hoffman had just been in a movie with them. Well, not just, but was, you know, I, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I, th- I think he's a weird, I get the picture that he's like, he, I think he probably throws really amazing parties. He's really, really good looking. Like, he's connected to like an old world Hollywood glamour in a way that like Dustin Hoffman kind of just missed and like people of that age kind of just, you know, he's, he knows Elizabeth Taylor yeah. and he's Shirley MacLaine's brother and you know, all these things. Um, but I think he is so incredibly vain that it almost like he has good instincts, but then his vanity ruins it like he has all these great ideas and then he's like well i have to be the lead in it though (laughs) like and then he's like 
he puts all of this crazy, all these crazy prosthetics on the bad guys, which I don't dislike that decision. And I don't think that Dick Tracy should be wearing them, but it is kind there is something, it casts a weird light on it when you're like, okay, a guy who we know is like notoriously vain made every other man in the movie look like a fucking freak except for himself like it's well and he's already worn baby in our world right they they uh they did try um they put up like he had people like put a fake nose and a fake chin on him and stuff so yes well i don't believe they said they tried it but in the comic strip you never see (laughs) you never see dick tracy head on and, and so the, the problem yeah. when they were moving it into a 3D, yeah. So, the, so they would have either had to have him in profile in every shot throughout the film, which mm-hmm. could have worked, it could have been cool. Uh, but it just with the makeup on him, they said it just it it wasn't working. Like anytime he turned mm-hmm. to face the camera, it looked like totally different. I just don't uh, believe. So yeah. I just don't believe. Uh, but at that. the same time, well, the uh, the makeup designers, uh, which their names are John Caglioni Jr. and Doug Drexler, which I want to give a shout out. They both work together on a film called Chud, which uh-huh. is one of my favorite movies. And um, they won an Oscar for a, this. It's the, uh, the Sewer Monsters film. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the makeup designers in one of the interviews I read were saying that like they tried to talk. Well, maybe it's some, somebody, maybe it's the production designer, but basically they tried Beatty. to talk him out of it because they're like, no, they were, they were like, so you're going to be directing this movie, so you already have to be here very early. And if you do a full prosthetic makeups, so you're going to have to be here like even earlier to get all that on. And then you're going to have to direct through that. So like mm-hmm. I do, I'm 100% with you. I agree Warren Beatty is probably a very vain man. And I think that he was, he miscast himself in this film. Uh, but right. as far as well, the, see, the prosthetics the go. That's I too many, to, that's yeah, too least, many excuses. Because either the prosthetics didn't yeah. work and looked bad or... He couldn't do it because he's the director. You don't need both those reasons. If people give you more than one reason right. <laughs> why they couldn't do something, it's because they don't want to do it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> this is my conspiracy. Um, this is my Dick Tracy conspiracy theory. Actually, uh, while we're talking about uh, the crew, um, there the editor of this film is named Richard Marks, uh, and he I think will be one of your favorite people, Kit. He also edited Pennies from Heaven, uh, okay. uh, A League of Their Own, <gasps> and You've Got Mail. So he must be one of your your faves. Oh, um, but my he also did some other films. God, <laughs> I know. I I read I read through his filmography and I was like, wow, this this is, Kit Kit should uh, hang out with this guy. He's the best editor. In, he's the my Felma Schoonmaker or whatever. Um, but he also did some other films. Some lesser known films like Godfather Part Two. <laughs> what? Oh my God! He did the Godfather Part Two. Yeah. So he also did Godfather Part Two and Apocalypse Now. So uh, the oh same guy that directed. I'm sorry. The same guy that edited You've Got Mail did Apocalypse Now and Godfather Part Two. So that was pretty cool. You guys. Um, okay. Yes, what, thought, what should that tell you? Should you. That. Wait. What's his name? Richard Marx. What's his name? Richard Marx. Not like taste. the singer. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Well, it should. Right. That you've got mail is a good movie. <laughs> I've ne- oh, I've never argued that. I love it. I I didn't see it until okay. very recently. I had never seen it before, but I think it was great. He also very did. Pleasant, he also did film. broadcast news, broadcast news, and as good as it gets. Uh-huh, yeah. We should look at what percentage of this dude's movies won Oscars for, like <laughs> best picture, best director, editing? best edit for editing, whatever. Like, cause like Jesus Christ, and it's also the cinematographer from Apocalypse Now, right? 
Oh, was he? Oh, on this movie? I believe so. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Interesting. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, the v- Vittorio Storaro. And the Godfather. The, he did uh, Apocalypse Now. Oh, my uh, God. No, Vitt- Vittorio Storaro it- didn't do Godfather, did he? No, I no, thought no. he did. I don't oh, think okay. So. Never okay. Mind. But yeah, I'm he sounded like he sounded like uh what's his name? Vittorio sounded like he was kind of a kid in a candy store with this. Uh that he he really enjoyed uh I don't know, filming this. The production designer sounded the same way. Although, yeah. Anyways, there were lots of ties to The Godfather, to Apocalypse Now, and then also to The Cotton Club, which was a, I think a lesser known Coppola film. Mm-hmm. Um but it I think I think it takes place in the twenties, and so I could see why they would draw some of the talent uh, from that film to make you know this thirties period piece. But uh, yeah, oh yeah, and the production designer also has worked with De Palma. Uh, so Richard Silbert, uh, he was the production designer for Chinatown, Shampoo, yeah, Reds, that makes sense. Uh, the Cotton Club, uh, and then Prince's Under the Cherry Moon, which wow. I know is a, a very well re- regarded film, but I do think that. Uh, for everything I've seen of it, it looks like it was a, a, pu- a pretty film. Yeah. Uh, and then he would go mm-hmm. on to do like Carlito's Way and I think he did The Black Dahlia. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm really enjoying when we do these episodes. I know that it's probably super boring to just listen to me list off the movies they've done, but I really like all these little ties between like, it's like, okay, so Dick Tracy, like visually it's great, but like we were talking earlier, kind of a forgotten film, not like the most highly regarded thing. But then you look at like the other stuff these people worked on and uh like the visual effect visual effects supervisor did raiders of the lost ark um well so there were two of them uh michael lloyd he did raiders of the lost ark independence day lord of the rings and avatar and then harrison ellenshaw was the other uh visual effects supervisor who did star wars the black hole empire strikes back (laughs) and tron so like the amount of talent in this you know behind this film uh it's no wonder that it's no wonder to me that the visuals pretty well overwhelmed everything else like you would have had to get the finest screenwriters in hollywood uh at the time to uh you know to write this to match kind of the other talent you had working but yeah it's crazy that they didn't do that yeah it's, it's unfortunate crazy. it's crazy it's crazy that you amass this much talent yeah. and then you you <laughs> don't you don't make the one the most important part good yeah uh, such oh, well. a waste better luck next time warren you know it's interesting too um you know, you really, you can't understate how, what, what Batman did. I mean, if you look at, um, I was looking at all the other movies that came after Batman and it's like this and then the shadow and even the mask, I think is kind of in that same, there's just so many movies. The Phantom. All kind of the Phantom. And they all Mm -hmm. kind of have like a, 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 like a, the shadow. Oh yeah, that's okay, the shadow. Sorry. Yeah. Well, and there's also uh, the Rocketeer. Yeah. Yes, the Rocketeer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. Like, well, and Dick Tracy was. I think. I think, mostly because of the score, it felt so blatant, like that they were going for Batman. But everything I, I read yeah. about, like the Disney executives and everything, like they really wanted this to be the Batman of 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because Batman made so much money. Um, but uh, but yeah, but all those other movies, like they're kind of like that, you know, either a superhero or like kind of an old character from comics or serials, but in this like really opulent, like, you know, really, I don't know, highly designed uh, kind of period. Uh, I, I think mm-hmm. I think all of those except the Phantom are period pieces, aren't they? Like, I know no, the, the Phantom's a period piece. 
Oh, is it? Okay. I thought it was, yeah. I thought it took yeah. place tonight. I've never seen The Phantom. So. Oh, I, you should watch it. It's I not also, very good, but <laughs> yeah. you should watch it. When I also realized, you know, so for this triple feature, we've got Flash Gordon, Dick Tracy, and then next we're going to do Super Mario Brothers. I think it would have been a much more yeah. coherent triple feature. Well, could have been a much more coherent triple feature to do like The Shadow do or it. to do another one that was based off of a comic. Let's just do it. We can't change midway. Oh, God. We've already got the the project the projectionist already has the uh the first reel of Super Did Mario you guys Brothers lined up for us. So know we- that Under the Cherry Moon was Kristen <laughs> Scott Thomas's first film. Oh weird. I didn't know that. Have you seen that? I've seen like yeah, I didn't know pieces that. of it. See, I thought about it. a good triple feature would be Purple Rain, Under the Cherry Moon, and then um the uh there was another film that Prince was in, Prince Starden. I thought that would be the fun. The much later one? No, it was around the same time. I think they were all in the 80s. It was Is before... Purple Rain good? I've it's... never seen it. I've never seen any of Prince's films. I think if you think of all of these things as like lemonade, then yeah, they're good. You know what I mean? No, I don't know what you mean. Graffiti what do you mean? Bridge is what you're thinking of. <laughs> is that what it was? Okay. Yeah. It's like... Like, Purple Rain is like a movie for an album. You know? Like, I think if you think of it that way as, a spo- as opposed to, like, a movie or a musical or something, if you think of it as, like, this is a movie shot to accompany an album, then, yeah, it's pretty damn fun. Yeah. But I well, like Lemonade. I don't understand what, what you're saying. I'm, not, I'm saying, but <laughs> Lemonade, if Lemonade not, was marketed... If Lemonade was marketed to you as like Beyonce's new film, Lemonade, and then you went to a theater and you saw it, you'd be like, what the fuck is this French bullshit? Like, I don't like this. But if you're like, oh, she made an album and then she made a movie. What movie did you think? (laughs) I thought you meant Lemonade the drink. So I was really confused. Now, you know the old saying, when uh, when life gives you lemonade, you just you go see a Prince film. I think that's what Kit was referring to. That's how I <laughs> yeah. understood it, at least. Ah, uh, okay. I now understand. Okay. Um, although, at first, I did think the same thing, Andrew, so don't feel too bad. But then I was like, oh, yeah. I forgot about the Beyonce. Was it, was, does that count as a film? Or was that a, a TV special? It's okay. released I as a I, film. I, I mean, it's s- like 90 minutes, isn't it? Or something, or well, an it was hour? On, it was on HBO. It wasn't like a theatrical thing. Yeah. I watched like, a theatrical. You know, release. you realize a lot of movies of aren't theatrical, right? <laughs> These days. Well, but it wasn't. It wasn't even feature length. It was. It was under an hour. But yeah, no, I know. Oh boy. Either way, it, when you know, when life gives you lemonade, right? I, yeah. I hear you, Kit. Mm. <laughs> hey, I'm not the one who thought you were talking about a beverage. <laughs> you did a be- it at first. <laughs> I mean, initially you said lemonade. I didn't. I didn't think Beyonce's lemonade. I put it together. Um, all right, all right, moving on. Hey, speaking of uh, musicians and albums that go along with movies, this uh, uh, Madonna had a whole album that went along with this film. Yeah. Um, oh, good. It's called I'm Breathless, Ex- which I, I find Excuse fascinating. Me, Apparently she did a that? whole tour. That's oh, just weird. I mean, when was the last time a, a um, mus- musician... I mean, this isn't even like... This wasn't like a Madonna vehicle. This was somebody else. This is, you know, a Warren Beatty uh, passion project or whatever you would say. So I just I thought that I mean, was interesting. I think it was a Madonna. Know? I think it was a Madonna vehicle in that she was the biggest star, like in the universe, at the time. Well, you right, know? but it, well, that that makes it more surprising in a way that she would devote an entire album and tour to this film that she was in. I was just surprised. I don't think Maybe. there's anything wrong with it. I just yeah. What I think is weirder about the album 
is that it's a mix of songs by written by Stephen Sondheim and songs written by Madonna and her like regular collaborator Patrick Leonard who wrote stuff on like True Blue and stuff like that. Like that's yeah. very that must make for a very bizarre listen. When would you say Madonna like was kind of over not over the hill like 40 but like you know, when did she start to cool off? Because I know she was like, you know, in the 80s, she was like everything. I would say, well, I think that the last great album that she made, and now I'm blanking on the fucking name of it. Hold on. Like Ray of Light? No, no, no. Post that. Give me her list of records, no. you son of a bitch. Okay. Um, Confessions. <laughs> Confessions on a dance floor. I think. When was that? She, Which one? That was 2005. Oh, that late. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, because mu- music was probably. Music had big hits on it, such as Music, the song. And Al- and Lee, I just want to uh-huh. mention, like, Leaf loves that name for an album and a song to just name your album Music. That's fucking cool. <laughs> but Confessions on yeah. a Dance Floor, I think it's maybe lesser known to outside of, like, I don't know, to popular culture, but like, um, it's a huge, it was a huge dance record. It's really good. It was like critically acclaimed too. Um, and that to me is like the last record of hers that I thought was not just like desperately clinging to relevance. Yeah. You know, like where there was an, how many records has she had since then? Um, let's see. Hard can like, does Madonna still make records? Oh yeah. Hard Candy, MDNA, Rebel Whoa. Heart, and Madam X is her most recent, which like really did not do anything. When was that? When did that come out? This year in June. Holy shit! Huh. She's pretty. That's crazy. yeah. She did 2019, 2015, 2012, and 2008. So about three or four years between each record. That must what? Wow, man! What what that must be like to be to have once been on top of the world and to now make records that no one cares about. She still like has like she makes more money from touring. But here's the thing, like she's six in her sixties, and she still makes more mm-hmm. money from tu- from touring than like most artists. Like she makes a fuckload of money from touring from world international tours, especially. Like that's who else is doing that other than like you two, and they're not as old as she is. <laughs> like that's pretty good you two were like still got I think it like ni- 19 or something when they made their first records like oh, Bono's wow. younger than my dad and stuff well i think i just have to reframe like what i think of as a uh successful like pop star in in today's climate. yeah we should like, look I, at I like let's like look at what taylor swift's most recent album sold um what the fuck is it called? Lover? Yeah. Lover has... You know, Andrew, maybe if you'd stop living to... Stop stop listening to Billie Eilish for five minutes, you could hear somebody <laughs> else putting out some music. True. That's me. Oh, I'm trying to see. I have a couple other things. Um, okay, three other things. Okay. Uh, did either of you watch the uh, Roger Rabbit uh, cartoon? The roller coaster uh, rabbit? No. I start. I, I I I pushed play, and then the I realized then the Disney like logo theme was playing, 
And I realized that it was going to be more of an investment than like two and a half minutes. So I turned it off. <laughs> okay. Well, I will say, so there was a, there was a, for the, for the listeners at home, there was a Roger Rabbit uh, short cartoon called Roller Coaster Rabbit that preceded this in theaters because Disney was afraid that the movie itself wouldn't appeal enough to kids. So they kind of wanted to, to get them more interest, more, more invested. Why. There's a naked yeah, woman yeah. in it. I don't understand how it could even be for kids. If you see Madonna's nipples in the movie. I mean, kids love that. Yeah, I think that's. But doesn't that mean it needs to be uh... rated R? Like, isn't it by necessity rated R? Well, she nude lady. She was wearing kind of like a thing over them. Yes, like a chemise. You can, yeah, you you can can see see her nipples. That qualifies. You can't be like, oh, she'll wear a like the woman in Blade Runner who's in like a plastic coat. It's like okay, she's wearing a coat. You can see right through it. So I don't think it counts. Right. Yeah, no, I, I was surprised by that as well. And I actually, I kind of wondered, because like I know there have been times when they'll remaster something for high definition where they either like they don't get the the uh, the lighting correct or like something's weird. And then you can kind of like see things that you wouldn't have been able to see in a theatrical presentation. Mm-hmm. But I saw mm-hmm. two references, you know, contemporaneous references to that nudity. Uh, so that so apparently that was something that everybody was getting a chance to look at. Uh, I don't understand. Which was cool. Damned. I mean, you should be I, able I'm to show boobs, yeah. I guess, but P- why? PG nipples are a thing. PG? Yeah, no, yeah. I don't think you could do it now. Yeah. In, in but that I think, context? No, you couldn't do it now. But... Especially the 80s. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, PG nipples have, that... have happened. I mean, Big was um, PG. And it was Granted, that was a little earlier than this, but. What movie? Uh, Big, Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah, Big's a fucked up PG movie for yeah. sure. There's a lot of, like, stuff in the 80s, like, they weren't really as... They were a little it was a looser wild with, time. Uh, it was it a was, wild time. It sure was, Andrew. I don't think I'll ever forget all the adventures we had back then. <laughs> I can't even find the rating um, for for Dick Tracy. I think it was PG. I'm pretty sure. It's got to be. I don't it's understand how you can. Like, can you imagine? Well, imagine if my parents had been like, all right, we're taking our kid to the latest Disney, the latest fucking Disney cartoon that they've been promoting everywhere and putting toys in their McDonald's things and all, <laughs> whatever those are. Yep. <laughs> and you show up to the movie, it's like, oh, there's Madonna's titty. Yeah. I mean, I think it, you know. It would depend on the family, but I'm sure that some people appreciate it and I'm sure that others didn't. So, but yeah, it would be surprising. Like that would be like seeing one, like a titty in a Marvel movie now, which. Yeah, exactly. No, of course not. But you guys are being so nonchalant about this. This is crazy. Especially, especially since Madonna uh, was like reviled for this kind of thing at the time. Like, this is the era of Truth yeah. or Dare and the sex book, which you guys, if you haven't seen the Truth or Dare documentary, you really should. But, like, she was hated for, you know, being naked sometimes. <laughs> and then she's, like, naked in this movie. I well, can think of no greater reason to hate a woman. <laughs> uh, one thing I was going to say, if we could talk about something substantial for a moment, <laughs> uh, is that the, car- the cartoon's really, <laughs> it's really good, and you should both watch it. It's very cool. The uh, Roger Rabbit cartoon, the the Dick Tracy cartoon. Well, no, oh, the, the Roger Rabbit cartoon. The, that I already preceded. forgot what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Actually, speaking yes. of the Dick Tracy cartoon, okay. uh, uh, there was a cartoon, an animated show from the '60s that caused a bit of a fuss uh, in the '90s because uh, Disney started. They sent it out to you know networks, 
uh, like to play in syndication to kind of coincide with the, with the film. And apparently it was full of uh -huh. racist stereotypes that were more oh, yeah. acceptable in the 60s cool. than they were in the 90s. So uh, Hispanic wow. and Asian groups uh, protested I saw that. and asked that it be withdrawn. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mike. I yes. have, Mike, I have I have seen this Roger Rabbit short. Okay, it's really good. I thought it was just like yeah, very cool and funny. Yeah, I I'll watch I'll watch it again. I haven't seen it since as a kid, but I just like scrubbed through some of the stills and I immediately recognized that yeah. freaking baby. It's good stuff. Well, and the baby's yep. also in the uh, uh, the film. Okay, uh, never mind. Never seen it. <laughs> well, no, you know what? I I think he's also in the short. So yeah, the baby's in the film and also he's in the short. Cause I think there was a Roger Rabbit short before honey. I shrunk the kids. Um, Oh God. Okay. Anyways, it's worth watching. It's eight minutes. You know, life is short, but you got time. Uh, okay. Let's see. They, uh, one of the other things uh, that we haven't discussed that I wanted to touch on, we've moved away from the act, uh, the acting a little bit, but I was curious what you guys thought of Glenn Headley as oh. uh, Tess Trueheart. Love her. She's, she's the best. awesome. I love her. Yeah. 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 I thought she was really She's good. So I, 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 you love could... that... I love that scene uh, with the with the kid after Dick Tracy leaves and he takes the money or whatever. Yes. And she's just like, uh, <laughs> you, you want a broken arm? Um, yeah. And just See, like the little little acting beats between the two of them during that. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I wish she had been more like that throughout the movie because I feel like from that from that kind of introduction yeah. to her it seemed like she was going to be kind of kind of sassy you know kind of like a uh kind of a tough dame type uh from yep. that film but uh but then as it went on like i was really disappointed when they had her or i guess when the character whatever you would be disappointed with um when she walks in on she comes in with ice cream and uh madonna and warren Beatty are smooching and she like immediately like she just kind of like she's like real mad about it and then she just goes in the other room and like i think she cries or something um uh -huh. and then she leaves and i don't know i thought it was kind of dumb i felt like they i thought she was really good in it and she was fun like i i like i like her uh but i thought that they didn't like so much of the other stuff with the story of the film they didn't use just kind of a well. disservice yeah yeah i felt like they could have like had her be a little bit more of like a um i don't know i uh an aggressive character or a little bit like i don't know i don't know if sassy's the word or what i would say um but yeah just like a tough a tough broad instead of um because otherwise it was kind of like well, why would dick tracy and it, like what did she see in dick tracy what did he see in her uh why were we supposed to want them together that and kind of thing can, can we talk about the ending for a second absolutely um so the end of the movie is it's the last scene in the in the diner where Dick Tracy can't fucking muster the words uh, will you marry me um yeah and and then the movie I felt so bad for her character during that scene <laughs> um I like I thought it was too cartoon it was too stupid for me to accept it like just just one just 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 ask her to marry him but like she get he gets up and like he, he's about to ask her to marry him and he can't do it. And then there's like a report on the radio and he's got to run out uh, to go stop a crime. And as he's leaving, he just like tosses her the wedding ring. <laughs> yeah. And, and could, like, I know this is a, I know this is a cartoon, but like, just like, um, like imagine that for a second. <laughs> like, you know who could have pulled that off though? Who? Freaking Harrison Ford could have made that work. Yeah, Bruce Campbell. Definitely. For Harrison sure. Harrison Ford. Yeah. 
Oh Mike, no! I, yeah, Harrison, under- Harrison okay. Ford, Bruce Campbell. Okay. No, I was, I was yes. adding. I, yes, I heard in you. different I ways. Adding, uh, I think Harrison Ford could have sold it as real and sexy, like Indiana Jones, and then Bruce Campbell could have sold it as funny and cartoony. Right. Yeah, like 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 uh, Warren Beatty just came off as a fucking asshole. Yeah, yeah, he comes off as very like weak, like and like and then a jerk in the next second. And also, here's my what's sadder to me yeah. about that scene is what has changed. Tell me why their situation is different now from what it was when she, they were first they first had this dialogue about you know we are loners or whatever like. Right. Nothing's different. They already changed. had the kid. Mm. Even I think. No, wrong. The thing that's changed. The thing that's changed is that is that Tess has learned to shut the fuck up and that's accept what, it. Yeah, that's that's what it seems like. <laughs> is it's just like nothing about her situation has changed. I don't know what she's learned. She's only been put into more danger, and not in a fun way, and not in a well, way where she kid. participated in her, you know, <laughs> being saved. Really. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like if you had seen like yeah. in a if you had seen I don't know her fight realize that she also doesn't want a desk job and she likes you know being a part of the action too then maybe you'd feel like something had changed but <sighs> everything's exactly the same. <laughs> I think if we ever get a time machine, we do need to go back and they we just need to take a crack yeah. at the script. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel like or that just would be... hand them one of the comics. I can't think of anything else I would go back to do. Hand them one of the comics and be like, "Why don't you shoot?" Did you read this? any of the comics? No, but I just assume yeah. they're better than this. Kind of like they're I good. assume yeah, Flash I Gordon out... must be much better than that movie because everyone <laughs> fucking loves it. <laughs> um, the uh, the comics are worth a uh, worth a look. Like if you can pick them up at the library or something, uh, they're they're and I, I think it changes as the decades go on. But I read some from the. 30s or 40s i read the series with flat top and then i read another uh little section of the book but um they there's a very it's it's definitely like the appeal is the villains dick tracy's still pretty flat and just by the books and all that kind of stuff but um i think because it's a comic strip like there's just something fun and funny about it even when it's like a somewhat serious like crime caper kind of thing going mm-hmm. on um it's it's a it hits a balance that the movie wasn't quite able to to do, but yeah, worth a look. Uh, the last thing I have on my list, um, I don't know if you guys was there other points um, stuff we didn't get to that you wanted to discuss at all. Let me look at my notes real quick. Um, I thought that okay. the kid was a good actor, but I did not need him to be in the yeah. movie. But he was good. It wasn't his fault. Well, what? What purpose did he serve after, like, he witnesses a crime, and then did they do anything with that? Well, no. And then no, also, that never it came back. That's there's, so There's weird. no arc, because, like, Dick Tracy is very nice to the boy from the beginning of the movie. Like, there's yeah, not right. like, oh, he doesn't want to take response. It's not a uh, Big Daddy situation, <laughs> which I can't believe i'm using that as a model for how this movie could be better but it's not like he's like oh i don't know and i'm gonna learn how to like embrace the responsibility of taking care of a kid it's like no he's he's a 53 year old man so he's pretty like he's got his shit together and he can handle a little kid and it's like two minutes after they meet the kid they're a little family so what's the fucking point uh now i want adam sandler to remake uh big daddy but as dick tracy (laughs) 
I, I was going to say, well, 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 Kit. Looks like Adam Sandler had the last laugh. But uh, yeah. I was yawning, so I couldn't Perhaps laugh. <laughs> ah, crap. Oh, one other thing I want to say, maybe the last thing I don't mm-hmm. know, is um, I think this movie would have a fairly high rewatch potential if you just like put it on mute in the background, except for all the disgusting food eating and. This wouldn't be a problem if it were muted, but the wet mouth sounds, even of people kissing, but mostly the disgusting eating in this movie. Why? (laughs) Why is this such a huge uh, fucking thing for people? Lips, lips uh, slucking down the oysters. It's like in the early 90s, the most exciting thing about making a film was getting to put the most disgusting food in it that you could think of. (laughs) What, What else had that? The Peter Hook. Not Peter Hook. Hook. Peter oh, Hook. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Peter Hook. Who could forget Peter Hook? I think for me, I just, I would have, I would have, I would have loved um, more action. Like, it yeah. just yeah. didn't. Because that punching, like, the punching was, a, was good. Was, yes. It was cool. It was great, great punching. Yeah. Um, and, but then like the, the climax of the movie is, um, like, there is no fist fight. I mean, there is, a, there's, there's sort of a, a fight between him and big boy, but it's like no contest because big boy's body is, you know, functionless. But, um, <laughs> but the, bef- before that, the, uh, the big, uh, like action climax is Dick Tracy just fucking gunning down, uh, like, like fish in a barrel. These, uh, these, these mafiosos mm-hmm. like busting out of a garage. Yeah. I thought that was like, such a bummer. Ins- like, Flat Top's that death was, was a, just getting and, shot by a machine gun. It was like, oh, well, he, he was like a cool villain. It, he should have had something. It's kind of fucked up, too, because it's just like, take no prisoners. Like, the cops are just straight Correct. up, like, body yeah. and cladding these motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. I, I thought that was insane. I mean, it was like, it was cool to see, like, all the, uh, you know, explosions, and clearly that was their big set piece. Um, but, like, also, it's just like, like Warren Beatty is just standing in the middle of the road, kind almost nonchalantly holding a Tommy gun and just murdering people. Yeah, like it's it's a completely different movie and also boring. Um, in that section, it's just like what a waste of all of that, all of those effects, all those explosions, all of those actors. Like it's just boring. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe maybe it's because I don't know. Maybe maybe Warren Beatty was just like not able to do. Yeah, you keep talking here, about him like he. I mean, he's. I know. Not. You know, I'm 47, know Andrew. Clint Eastwood still does <laughs> shit like Dick Tracy does. <laughs> like, I know, but there's just so little of it. I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, I don't he understand. may not be an action guy, although yeah. he did. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's like just call on the Clyde Barrow or whatever a little bit. I don't know. It's. Well. On top of the uh, kind of the climax where he's he's machine gunning everybody like that being, you know, it's a comic book movie, blah, 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 whatever. But that was odd. But then on top of that, the only time they did they successfully did police work was when they literally had a man like sitting in a some sort of like crawl space listening to big boy, like right above his table where he plots all of his crimes. But other than that, they weren't very competent police officers. And uh, what was leaking? There. What's that? What was leaking? Oh, he spilled Water, his coffee. 
Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, he knocked okay. his coffee cup oh, over. and then it I it thought up. it was like, oh, there's but yeah. oil coming out of the microphone or something. <laughs> We've struck oil. Like, oh, and that's how he knows. <laughs> what a terrible time to strike oil. Oh, my God. Still, everyone should watch, everyone should watch this. <laughs> For sure. So... Since since we're uh, since we brought up that scene with the uh, character Bug Bailey, who was the fellow that was up there in the ceiling, um, mm-hmm. I wanted one of the the, the the last thing that I had in my notes I wanted to mention was that that actor who was also in Bonnie and Clyde, his name was Michael mm-hmm. J. Pollard or Pollard, I'm not sure, uh, but he just passed yeah. away a couple of weeks ago. So I wanted to uh, give a American Friend Institute farewell to Michael Pollard. Um, but yeah, he's in a ton of movies. But I saw that night, bro. I looked him up and uh, I was like, oh, he just passed away like, I think mid-November or something. Also, Seymour, Seymour Cassell died. I didn't know that he passed away this year. Mm. Uh, he played, mm, he was the uh, sad. Uh, Ketchum, Hank Ketchum or something like that. Jack, I don't know. He, he was, you know, I he's was, the dad I from was Rushmore. on Catherine That's O'Hara Seymour lookout. Cassavetes. Yeah. Cassavetes. I was on Catherine yep. O'Hara lookout Sorry. because I heard that she was in this movie. Oh, yeah. And... Then I missed her, but I looked her up afterward and then I found her. Yeah, she was like she barely. Was Kathy one Bates of the villains at the table. She had like a net over her face. She looked pretty. She oh, yeah, okay. she was, yeah. And then Kathy Bates was the stenographer. I like know. I was, was like watch, looking at the stenographer uh, and I was like, I God, she looks wow. familiar. And then I had to look it up. I'm like, holy shit, yeah. that's Kathy Bates. Right before <laughs> Misery, I think. Yeah, it would have been. Well, so that was, came out nine. That came out the same year. Yeah, but, but yeah, I'm she sure she was filming this first. Star. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Now, was she was was Kathy Bates not a name then? No, she wouldn't have been. This, this was She'd some of her been first, in lots first of stuff, films. but she wasn't really famous. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. looking at her. I didn't. I guess so. Mis- misery is like that's the was movie her breakout. that did it for. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Interesting. That's really interesting. But I will yeah. say, I don't know, I maybe her. it's just because I recognized her and didn't but didn't realize it, but like watching her in that scene, I part of the reason I looked up who that was is cuz I was like, wow, this lady this is a good actress. <laughs> like like she she's special in that little tiny part that she has, I think. Yeah. The uh Andrew, did you have anything else in your notes or shall we wrap Any- this up? Um, no, not really. I mean, like I, I didn't even start taking notes until like 25 minutes into this movie. Um, and then I didn't take very many notes. I just kind of watched it, which was kind of nice. Um, but, uh, the two things that I noticed were that the, the blank, like that, the voice that they were doing for that is like the exact same voice as, uh, Leia did at the, in in Return of the Jedi when she was like, posing as that bounty hunter. I thought that was really strange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder if that's like some sort of eff- like standard effect that just like comes with whatever they were using. Um, and then uh, my, my, my favorite line in the whole movie is when uh, Tess or uh, uh, big boy is, is like kidnapping Tess and they're running up the, the, uh, Oh God, the drawbridge thing or whatever. That's like, Oh, it's like the bridge is going up. And yeah. so it's like splitting in half. Yeah. Okay. And he's running up and he just says, jump, we can make it. And then he gets a little bit closer and he's like, no, don't jump. We can't make it. <laughs> I thought that <laughs> I laughed who really said, hard at that. I just like that? his delivery was really great. Al Pacino. Al 
Big Boy he said had, that. See, that's the like, sad thing like, is like he, he had some lines that I was like laughing at, like when he would say a quote and then say and then like attribute it, and it's like complete bullshit. Yeah. Like he was making yeah. me laugh, but I could barely understand what he was saying a lot of the time. His whole his whole thing during the kidnapping, where he's like clarifying that he's not kidnapping her. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like that was all very funny. Uh, it, it's sort of weird because it's like it it almost didn't feel fair that he be murdered at the end, uh, just because like he was making me laugh so much. Yeah. During the kidnapping. Did you know that he got a best supporting actor nomination at the Oscars for this? What oh the fuck? My <laughs> it's true. Yeah. God. I was pretty surprised as well. I thought he was good. I thought he was really good in it. But yeah. I uh, he got nominated. He didn't. He didn't win. I yeah. But that's uh, crazy. I want to know wow. who. He, I want to know who he lost to. Yeah, I don't know. That's Hang on. Point. In nineteen ninety, it would have been. Isn't that so? The film Silence was nineteen ninety. So it would have been the nineteen ninety one Oscars. So si- so Maybe. Silence of the Lambs. Hang but on. there right? wouldn't have been. It was it was supporting Just, actor. No. Get oh, get supporting. It. I see. Okay. Oh man, you have I to give know, us oh, clues. Wow. Don't uh, say well, it. Give us make it trivia. Don't say it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let me let me think of a let me think of a clue. Uh, okay, here's my clue. Gabagool. I don't know. Al Pacino. <laughs> Kit, try. I don't. I don't Al, know well, what that so is. So Al Pacino. He was in Godfather I mean, Part me, Three this year, so that could have happened. What's Gabagool? Gabagool. I don't know. Forget the about it. <laughs> Just. Gabagool. I know that that's a thing, oh, but I don't know what oh, that's from. Joe okay. Pesci. Did you look it up? No, I didn't. Did you cheat? I didn't cheat. Kit, I'm a, Kit did you cheat? I'm, I'm really impressed. I'm genuinely impressed because I said I said I Gabagool it. because I was I'm I was referencing a mad t- a mad TV skit uh, about uh, the Sopranos, and the reason I'm referencing the Sopranos is because I was like, oh, of mobsters. Good Goodfellas <laughs> that came out in 1990. Uh, Joe Pesci's in that. Okay. But, so wow, you follow, you like, did it. I feel That's, like it's appropriate. It's really- I did. I followed you. I feel like it's appropriate that we're watching Dick Tracy, or like hilariously inappropriate that we're watching Dick Tracy like the week that The Irishman came out. <laughs> like we're watching yeah. the, car- <laughs> the cartoon version of The Irishman with all with a couple of the same people in it. And like people from The Godfather and people from Goodfellas and people from The Irishman and where but but in their the best mob movie ever. It it is really funny to me that like like how many people in who like star in who have starred in like uh you know some of the best movies of all time end up doing like parody versions of those movies. Mm-hmm. Like just thinking about like Al Pacino doing this movie and Marlon Brando doing like The Rookie. Or something like that, like uh, or anything Robert De Niro has done other than The Irishman in the last twenty years. Al Pacino, I don't think had really. So from what I remember, looking at his filmography, he had a pretty quiet decade in the eighties, and like he had been in Scarface in eighty three, and then there were like two other movie, two or three other movies that I didn't hadn't heard of, but like Dick Tracy was before Scent of a Woman, and I feel like Scent of a Woman is where he really, like he never. I don't know he if in his own mind hoo-ah. or if in audiences. Yes. Yeah. And like, he never really be like, that's when people started to say like, Oh, he's become like a parody. And m- maybe it was with Dick Tracy too. I don't even know. I would, I would have been four. So, um, 
Okay. All right. <laughs> well, uh, that's all we have for you today, folks. Thank you for joining us. Um, Wait, Tom Join Cruise. us next week when we'll I, be I watching. Tom, I, yeah. What well, do you... Tom Cruise Minute, and I've got it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I thought you had to go. Because uh, <laughs> okay. I do. Tom Cruise okay. Minute, go. I brought up Les Grossman. Al Pacino's like Les Grossman. Oh, and yeah. And the cinematographer did Top Gun? No, the writers wrote Top Gun. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Okay. I did it. <laughs> Excellent work. Actually, there you go. Could Tom Cruise have played Dick Tracy? No. No. No, he couldn't have. But uh, it looks like Dick Tracy was beat by... There was a, a, a rivalry between Dick Tracy and Days of Thunder at the box office. Oh, really? Uh, and Days of Thunder, of course, won. Wait, um, what? Dick Tracy did? made less than Days of Thunder? The, yeah, they were the two, the two big blockbusters of 1990. Like in 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 advance of the two films. Uh, like the two films to beat in, in, in 1990 were okay. Dick Tracy and Days of Thunder. And then Ghost beat them all. Yeah. And then Ghost beat them all. Rightfully so. Oh, also... Speaking of box office, one thing I'll mention real quick, uh, this movie came out the same week that Gremlins 2 came out, and it's unfortunate because that may have led to Gremlins 2 being kind of buried and forgotten, mm. which Gremlins 2 is one of the greatest films of all time, along with Chud <laughs> and along with Gremlins 1. All right. All right. We're done. Thank you, everybody. Uh, again, join us next week for the conclusion of my shocking and stunning triple feature. Uh, we'll be watching uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie from, I think, 1993 or something. Uh, the Phantom. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we, yeah. We could do a whole separate thing. We could do the Phantom. We could do the Shadow. And we could do the Rocketeer. I think that no, would be no, a really good just... triple feature. Okay, fine. Hooray for Mario.